series, yeah? yeah. Come on, we're creating this space where, where we're, we're living to walk, victor- learning to walk victorious in prayer. And, um, you know, it's one thing to just believe that you're, you're, you're victorious, but it's another thing to have that secret place of prayer, that secret place of praise, where you really do battle. And I've been kind of teasing on it every week leading up to this, that we're going to actually hit warfare at some point and dig into Ephesians chapter 6. And so today's that day. Today's going to be a little meaty, but man, it's going to be good. So uh, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And this is the war room of warfare. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to start reading. And we're just going to scratch the surface on this uh, huge topic and this verse. And it says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the schemes of the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this, this series that you've led us in where, where we can really tackle this idea that you have created us to walk in authority, in power, And Lord, you've given us the weapon of prayer and praise. And Jesus, this is not just a corporate thing, although there's power in that, but God, in our secret place, in our war room, in our places where we're by ourselves and we're doing business, in those places where the enemy attacks, where he lies to us and tries to get us down and tries to get us going the wrong direction and tries to deceive us, in those places, you've given us the tools and the authority to walk in victory. And so... God, I pray today that you would once again open up our eyes to see you, Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in order to kind of paint a bigger picture, I want to draw us to a story. And it might be a familiar story, but I think that Ephesians chapter 6 actually pairs really well with the story of Jesus. And I love Jesus. I'm a Jesus guy. We're a Jesus church. And so what the heck? Let's tell a story about Jesus. Uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, can you bring the lights up just a little bit? Sorry, you may have actually dimmed them. I want to be able, people to be able to, I want to be able to see if they're falling asleep. It's important to me. Mark chapter 4 and verse 37, it says this, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern Asleep on a pillow. I think that's pretty cool. I am a big pillow guy. Anybody? This is totally has nothing to do with the message, but anybody a big pillow guy? Like you have to have like the right kind of pillow. Are you a firm pillow guy or like a fluffy pillow guy? Or gal? Fluffy, you're fluffy. Or or one of each. How many two pillow people? Two people. How many how many are the are the, the pillow hugger? Yeah, that's Heather. Once she realized that, like, I can't get sleep if you're bear hugging me, she's like, well, fine, I'm going to get a, 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 an adult-sized pillow and bear hug it because that's how we sleep. Uh, I think it's crazy, but uh, I don't know what Jesus was doing, but there was a pillow involved. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care we are 
perishing. And then he rose and rebuked the wind and said to them, said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Um, it's an interesting story. And the interesting part about the story is Jesus is sleeping. Um, and there's a lot of implica- implications to that. But at the end of the day, I believe that Jesus was modeling something. Now, <laughs> I think it's funny. And we were talking about it at our small group. This topic came up. And like, I don't know if Jesus was like fake sleeping. You know, I don't know if you've ever done that where like you kind of have one eye open. And then as soon as people walk in, you're like, and then you just like fake snore. You're like, <sighs> But Jesus was, he was out of it. And, and I believe that he was modeling something for us that's so important as it relates to spiritual warfare. And it's a simple idea, and it's this. The war room of warfare is a place of rest. It's a place of rest. Jesus was in the middle of a storm. His disciples were freaking out. And he was completely at rest to the point where, you can, where he was asleep. Now, listen, some of you may be in a spot where you can sleep anywhere, including during my message. Bless you. But, but at the end of the day, sleeping represents this place where you're at peace and you're at rest. And Jesus had found that even in the midst of his disciples thinking they were literally going to die. And I just want to say this. And get on a soapbox for a minute because we're talking about walking in victory. And the victorious life of a believer is not a constant struggle. Listen, there's a war out there. It's real. There's a a flesh and a spirit that's in constant conflict, which is why you have those thoughts and those feelings that are not from the Holy Spirit because you have a flesh and the spirit and the flesh and, the, and that, there's a conflict. And then we just read that there is a spiritual war going on out there. It is real. No question about it. But listen, I meet people all the time and they just, it's like, it's like they're in the book of Job on repeat all the time. It's just this constant struggle where it's like, well, this is just the Christian life because, you know, we're living for God. And so it's this war. We're in this war. And it's just this tension and this constant heaviness. And I'm just telling you that that is not the victorious life of the believer. Because you know what? Jesus already paid it. We just went to the table to demonstrate that it is done. Jesus paved the way for us to walk in freedom and in victory and in joy and in peace. These are our inheritance as believers. And so if we're just constantly in this like, there's just this dark cloud that always hovers over you and you think that somehow you're like being a martyr for Jesus because you're in a war. Listen, if that's not a very short season in your life, then you're missing it. Because that is not the life that God has for you. And the enemy is robbing from you the very thing that he paid for. And so we look at this idea of true warfare. Victorious warfare starts with rest. Rest meaning not striving. Not constantly working. Not constantly trying to win it. This is the victorious life of the believer. So we look at... uh, We look at the disciples in this, Jesus is asleep. He's at rest. 
Jesus on the inside is like, listen, there's a storm. I'm not going to say there's not a storm. Walking in rest is not ignoring the realities. And some people are so spiritual, they're like, no, there's no problem. No, there's a storm. There are waves. It is crashing. But on the inside, I'm at peace. I'm good. Jesus is on the throne. So the disciples wake him up and they scream two things. And if you're reading the book with us um, called Don't Let the Enemy Take a Seat at Your Table, then you'll recognize these lies because the enemy comes and he gives us specific lies. And so uh, put it up there. So they uh, wake Jesus and they scream at him two lies. We're not going to make it. And you don't even care. We're not going to make it through this. And everyone's against us. This is a tall tale sign of the enemy. And this is how he comes at us. This is how he gets us out of our rest. We have that, you ever get that feeling where you're like, your head's underwater and you're just trying to get a breath? You're like, oh, I just feel so overwhelmed. Anybody with me? Anybody, anybody even know, anybody just know somebody that's felt like that before? It's real and it's life. So Jesus says to them, why are you so fearful? So Jesus speaks to the first storm and the storm inside of them. What's going on in you that's making you feel like you're going to die? What's going on that makes you feel like everybody's... I mean, it's pretty extreme when you've gone to the place where Jesus is against me. I mean, it's one thing to think your neighbor's against me or your coworker, but like they went all the way to like Jesus doesn't even care. So you can see where their heart is. And so Jesus asks a simple question. I think it's the same question he asks to us. Again, we're talking about warfare, but we have to start with us. Warfare always starts with us. What's going on with me? Why am I not at rest? What's going on in my heart? Why am I so fearful? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so down? Why am I so defeated? What's happening in me that's making me that way? Well, it's the waves. You, just, you saw the waves and I'm, I'm soaking wet and that's what it is. And Jesus was like, I'm still going to ask the question. You should love that about Jesus. This <laughs> was like, seriously, you're asking us this question? Jesus is like, no, really. Let's, let's take a pause here. And the disciples were like, can you please do something about the waves? No, let's have this intimate moment. What's going on in you? <laughs> What's really going on? I used to have a youth pastor. Adam and I had the same youth pastor, and he always used to ask the famous question. He would come up to us, and he would say, how you doing? And we'd be like, fine. You guys are like teenagers. Fine, good. And then he would point his finger at us into our soul with these like, like laser eyes, and he'd say, how you really doing? Like, I'm not good. <laughs> right, and you're just like confessing every sin you've ever done. And I lied to my mom, and I stole that when I was five. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it's Jesus coming to us and saying, how you doing? Like, what's going on in there? Because I get it. There's a storm on the exterior, but before we get to the warfare of the exterior, let's take a pause at the warfare going on inside of you. How are you doing? And why are you so afraid? We could just like go home right there. 
and go ask Jesus that question. But we're going to keep going. You've been fighting those waves, haven't you? (laughs) That's a losing battle. So Paul says, if you have any hope to win this battle, we must fight from a place of rest. And so, he, and so Paul says, be strong in the Lord. And I love this because Paul, he outlines this whole thing. It's a warfare and there's a fight and there's all this stuff. And so Paul says, be strong in the Lord because there is a battle, there is a fight. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he says, and put on the armor. Now listen. I get it. The armor is like, okay, there's a belt and then there's like the breastplate and there's the helmet and sometimes it gets confusing. I just want to like level the playing field and make this really simple for you. Just in case you forget the armor, remember Jesus. Say this to your neighbor. If you forget the armor, remember Jesus. Come on, say that to your neighbor. If you forget the armor, remember Jesus. Because Jesus is the armor. The Bible says over and over in the New Testament, put on Jesus. He is our salvation. He is our righteousness. He is our truth. He is our peace. He is the armor. And when you put on Jesus, you are equipped for warfare. But what it does for you is it centers you. It makes you walk in rest. It makes you walk in security. I can't walk in fear when I put on Jesus. When I put on who he is, I don't walk in fear. I walk in confidence. Anybody with me? Okay. So the first idea is simple. You guys, we have to find a place of rest. Whatever's going on in our heart, whatever's going on in your marriage, whatever's going on at your work, you have to find rest. And, and, and that has nothing to do with the wind and the waves. Zero. Because Jesus was asleep. And so, and so, as the psalmist says, he leads you by peaceful streams. He restores your soul. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't fear on the inside. There isn't a storm going on on the inside because you're in a place of rest. No, my, my shepherd is good. He's gone before me. He's got me. He's fighting my battles. And so I can be on the inside at rest, which allows you then to see the real battle. And that's what we're going to get to. Because at the end of the day, when, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So the next idea is the war of warfare is spiritual. The war of warfare is spiritual, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's spiritual, right? So I wrote this down. When we fail to enter God's rest, we put our faith in what we feel, what we see, and what we hear. And they are lying to you. But it's the first thing that we do when we're anxious, when we're fearful, when we're afraid, when we feel trapped, when we feel down. We're like, ah, we're not at rest on the inside. And so we go into this, the place of warfare, in the place of like, I'm going to win this battle. But we're all on the turmoil on the inside because we haven't won that battle first. And so we're fighting the wrong battle because we're just going by our natural emotions that are totally lying to us because there's something else going on here. There's something behind the thing. I know you think you see it. I know you think you feel it, but there's something behind it and it's lying to you. And so you're swinging at the waves and you're getting nowhere. And you find yourself in a place where I'm not going to make it through this and Jesus doesn't care. And so Jesus, he just, he just quieted the moment and said, what's going on inside of you? 
Let's look at that. So while Jesus was asleep, the disciples were in a losing battle with the waves. And watch what Jesus does. So Jesus gets up. He goes out on the deck. And the disciples are like, he's going to do it. It's going to be amazing. Remember like the Red Sea parted? Yeah, this is going to be that moment. And Jesus goes out there. And what does he do? He speaks to the wind. Now, we know how the story ends. We know eventually the storm subsided and the waves subsided. But in the moment when you are literally thinking you're dying, you're soaking wet, and these giant waves are crashing onto you, you kind of need Jesus to go, waves, stop it. But Jesus didn't even address the waves. He spoke to what was behind the waves which was causing the whole deal. And so I can imagine the disciples were like, seriously? Like first you're asleep, totally unplugged and out of it. Then you blame us as if we're fearful. And now you're coming out and you're not even addressing the problem. You're the most frustrating Messiah ever. Get with the program. This is not going to help. Have you, ever, have you ever had something going on epic in your life and you like talk to somebody and pray for with somebody and somebody gives you like some advice that you know in your heart of hearts is right, but you're like frustrated because you're just, this is not solving the problem. I just need you to put more money in my account, Jesus. That's what's going to happen here. I just need you to talk to my spouse and tell them I'm right and we're good. Let's just go down the road. And Jesus is like, no, that's a temporary fix because the waves are just the symptom. And I know you think they're the problem. And I know they're the thing that's making you soaking wet. And it's ultimately what's going to sink the boat. But if I just speak to the waves, the wind's going to create something else, isn't it? Because there's something behind the something. It's spiritual. And so... Paul is saying, come on, let's recognize this spiritual war that we're in. How many relationships go sideways because we're punching the waves? How many marriages go sideways? How many times in our marriage are we punching the waves when really there's something else going on there? You guys are like really deep in thought right now. You're like, I'm rethinking everything. So I want to I wanna highlight a reality in the spiritual realm as it relates to warfare. And that is this. We have to recognize when it's a spiritual battle. Now I want to say this. I don't believe in, about, in the devil behind every rock. I don't believe that every dynamic and every, every sign of a wave is like a demon behind the wave and we have to rebuke everything. Like, listen, as I've said before, sometimes we're just in a storm. Sometimes there's waves. Sometimes things happen and it's not necessarily a demonic attack, right? And so, and so this idea that we're constantly running to the war room and we're rebuking everything. Again, I, I don't think that that's living from a place of rest. I don't think that's a living from a place of victory because you're in just in this constant you know, life of Job rerun and that's not the life God has for you. And I've heard it said often that like when you're really living for God and when you're doing ministry, you're going to be under attack constantly and it's just going to be a bummer, but that's the way it is, but God's victorious. And I just think that's horrible theology. 
I sleep like a baby every night. And I'm doing ministry. I don't believe that my life has to be a constant uh, uh, defense from an attack of the enemy. Because Jesus has won the battle. And, and we walk in victory. And, and we don't give the enemy room or license to torment us. Like no one here, you know, you know, this isn't like, there's no, we've said this a lot, there's no levels of Christianity. It's not like I have, it's not like I've reached the level where I don't get attacked. I get attacked. I just don't let the enemy mess with me, nor should you, because you're a bud, blood, bud, blood, brought, it's a tongue twister, blood bought believer. Say that five times. And, and, and you have every right to tell the enemy, you don't get to torment me. You don't get to torment me. And, and so, I, I, but I want to highlight four areas that, that I think might be helpful for you. Th- this is not an exhaustive list. This is not an exhaustive teaching, and I'm not the expert. I'm just trying to help you with some tools that I have that have helped my wife and I and as we walk in victory and as we make our effort to walk in victory. And these are four areas. Go ahead and put them up there. That if I see these areas, if my wife sees these areas, we have zero tolerance for them because they're signs of the enemy. They're signs of his attack on our life. And so we don't, we don't put up with this garbage. The first one is this, re- a reoccurring pattern. If there is a reoccurring pattern in your life of an issue, then, then the enemy's got his tentacles on you. And it's easy to settle for, well, I mean, a lot of people do this. We just live with a limp. And it's just like, you know, you know I'm great in other areas. And this area, like, I just constantly struggle. And so I, I make room and I do it. And it's, it's fine. And I figure it out. And I move on down the road. And I just haven't been able to find victory in that area. That is absolutely a stronghold. And, and you don't have to settle for that. And so in your life, looking for a reoccurring pattern. By the way, I'm going to circle back around. And, and, and hit this again at the end of the message. Shadows or isolation. Shadows meaning darkness. When there's any area of darkness in your life, um, secrecy, isolation, feeling like you're alone, no one can know, that is the perfect breeding ground for the enemy. He's all over that. And, and nasty things are going to grow there. We're children of light. We're going to get into that. And we're going to hit these with the word. But, but we don't put up with shadows. We don't put up with isolation, not in our kids, not in our marriage, not in our lives. Again, these are areas where we can say, listen, the enemy doesn't get to torment us. Now, if we let him in, in the obvious areas, well, then, yeah, our, 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 our life's going to be a constant battle. But we cut him off at the past. No, we don't allow these things in our life. Fear and confusion not of the Lord at any level. We don't walk in fear and we don't walk in confusion. I have a huge, and, and, and Heather would say probably overly hypersensitive to fear. I just don't allow it. We don't walk in fear. If Heather sees it in me or we see it in our kids or I see it in her, we say, no, that's fear-based living. That's fear-based thinking. We don't live like that. No, we live wise. We make good choices. We're cautious. But that motivation of fear is totally the enemy and he will run rampant in your life if you let him in that area. Anything that diminishes our identity or his future for our lives. Anything that causes you to believe less about yourself, less about your future, that is the enemy. And, and some of us have been doing, 
have been accepting one of these areas for a long time. And the enemy's got like a, a grip on your life or your child or your marriage. And I'm just telling you, like, that is a worthwhile fight in the war room of warfare. Because these are areas that you don't have to settle for anything less than victory. Now, occasionally, they'll pop their ugly head, right? And you, and you recognize them. That's what we're talking about. Identifying when it's the enemy versus when it's just, well, you got in a car accident. Or somebody fell and you, you, know, you broke an arm. Or you, know, you, you had a disagreement in your marriage. Like, that's not, it's not necessarily meaning like the devil's messing with you. It just means, you know... Drive safer. Don't text and drive, right? In your marriage, like, okay, be kind to one another, you know? I mean, a devil's not around every rock. But when you identify when he's messing with you, that's when you say, no. We're drawing a bloodline in the sand. You do not get to mess with my family. Anybody with me? Come on. Okay. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to pull down strongholds. So we're going to get to that. They're mighty in God. We have weapons to pull these things down. They're mighty. They're powerful. Much more powerful than you think. So my last idea is this. The war room of warfare is one with the word. Take up this. I love this. Again, we're still in Ephesians chapter 6. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and with it, Praying always with all prayer. And I love the fact that it was a semicolon. It's not even a period. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it could have been a period. I mean, I'm no grammar expert, but it could have been a period. And then it could say, and you should pray always with prayer and supplication. But instead, it says, which is the Word of God, semicolon, praying always. Which means, with the Word. That's powerful. That's a sword. That's, by the way, your only weapon. The rest is just putting on Jesus, which is an incredible defense of who we are and walking in rest. But this is our weapon to fight the enemy. And with the word, pray. So we pray the word. So the reason why I don't tolerate these things is because God has given us authority over the wind. I want to articulate this as best I can. God has not given you authority over the waves. Stuff happens. People happen. Sometimes the waves are another person doing, messing with you, right? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's that, you know, neighbor, you know, whatever it might be. Sometimes it's just life. And stuff happens. In this life, you will have trouble. And that's just the way, and there's no, you can't get into your war room and, 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 and rebuke every person that messes with you. You can pray for them. Jesus, I pray that you bless them. But in terms of authority, we have authority behind the thing, behind the demonic influence that's causing the waves to mess with me. Whatever the circumstance is, it doesn't get to steal my joy it doesn't get to bring me into a deep, dark depression. It doesn't get to cause me to doubt my life. It doesn't get to mess with my marriage. It doesn't get to, to, to cause me to be hurt and defensive because that's the enemy using the waves to steal my victory. And so I speak to what's behind the waves. No, not today, devil. You can try to use circumstances in my life to get me down, but today I'm walking in victory. I've put on Jesus so I'm in a place of rest. I'm in a place of victory. And so now when I go to fight, 
I'm fighting the real enemy, and I don't allow him to steal my joy. So Paul says, take up the word of God and pray with it. But the war room of prayer is not weak, lame prayers from a helpless place. We pray with authority. And so here's how I'm going to lay this out out to you. And I hope that you take a picture of this verse and you take it home and you remember it because this is why the word of God is so powerful. Jeremiah chapter one, verse nine and 10 says this. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Remember last week we talked about praise and how he's given you breath in your lungs and a word on your lips. He's touched your lips. He's redeemed your lips, which means praise is breath coming out of your lips. It's not something you think about. It's something that comes out. Well, in the same way, there's creative power in our words, especially when we declare the word of God. And this is why. Touched my mouth and said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. And this is the purpose. God's words in my mouth to uproot, tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. Now, we've all seen people who use their words negatively to tear down and destroy. Why? Because God's given us that power, the power in our creative words. But when you combine that with the word of God and you send his word forth to uproot that garbage that's been taking you down, those lies of the enemy that have just been ruining your life, You uproot those things. You tear those down. You destroy those arguments, those high things, that stuff that's been plaguing you. This is the power of when we pray the word of God, it goes forth and it uproots, it tears down, it destroys, and then it builds something in its place. It plants something in its place. Jesus says this, that the word of God is like a mustard seed. And it's the smallest little seed, but when you plant it, it grows to the largest tree. And that's the word of God. It seems small, but when you plant it in good soil and good soil is you uproot something, no, we're not living in that lie. We're not living in that fear. And then you plant the word of God. No, this is what the words, this is who I am. This is who my marriage is about. This is what my family, this is what my son's about. And you plant that thing. It may seem small but it's so powerful and it grows into an incredible harvest later on. This is the power of the war room as you pray the word of God, as you pray out the garbage and then you plant the good stuff. Come on, this is good teaching. So we pray this over ourselves, our spouses, our families. So I'm gonna go back to the to that, that list of four things. Again, not an exhaustive list, but it, it, but, but it works for me. Reoccurring pattern. This is what I pray. This is what I pray. I'm not stuck. I'm not stuck. So when there's a reoccurring pattern, which again, I relate to all of these things at different points in my life. There's a reoccurring pattern of like, oh, a struggle or a mindset or a frustration or a thing in my marriage or a thing, even as I see in my son or my daughter, something reoccurring and it's not good, right? We pray, we overthrow that lie that, well, I guess this is the way it is. I guess this is just what my marriage is like. Or I guess this is just how our finances will be. We're just gonna struggle. No, excuse me. That's not what Jesus died for. 
And this isn't the prosperity gospel. This is the enemy robbing you of health and life and joy, and you saying no to that, and you're saying, I am not stuck in a reoccurring pattern. God's doing a new thing. So it doesn't matter the past, and I can see the past. I can see how much I've struggled with this. And that would tell me logically, I'll probably never get over this. That's the lie. And I'm replacing the lie with, I'm not stuck. Jesus is doing a new thing. He who began a good work in me is faithful to finish it. That's the word. Second thing, shadows and isolation. Here's what I say. I'm a child of the light. I'm a child of the light. And I don't walk in darkness. And so darkness must flee. My son, my son doesn't walk in darkness. He tells the truth. This is what we declare over our marriage, over our kids, over our lives. And I don't walk alone. I'm not alone. So I don't walk in isolation. Colossians, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has delivered us into the kingdom of his son. This is who we are. And so when you come up against that and you bump up against it, it doesn't mean you don't feel it or have moments, but when you see it in your marriage or you see it in your kids or you recognize it in your life, then you attack that thing and you say, no, I'm not going to stand for that in my life. Fear and confusion. This is what I say. I've got the mind of Christ. When I put on that helmet of salvation, I have the mind of Christ, which means I'm not confused. There may be all kinds of variables that I don't understand, right? Clarity in the midst of uncertainty. Life's filled with uncertainties, but I don't walk around dazed and confused. I have the mind of Christ. I don't walk in fear. God is not, I love this, 2 Timothy, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Then it says this, but he's given me power, love, and a sound mind. Fear starts here in the thoughts, and then it eventually works down to your heart. But when you declare, I have the mind of Christ, I have a sound mind, then you're not going to walk in fear. You're not going to walk in confusion. Listen, we live in a world that's filled with confusion, filled with like, who do we listen to? It's just garbage and all this going on. And it's like, it's so easy to just live in a fog. And I'm telling you, the, the tentacles of the enemy are all over that. I have the mind of Christ. Lastly, anything that diminishes my identity or his promised future. I am a new creation in Christ. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for me. So my future's bright. My kid's future's bright. My, the, the, the things God's doing in my marriage, the best is yet to come. And we don't settle for anything less than who God's created us to be and the future that he has for us. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle. It just means that we don't allow the enemy to put a stronghold there and say, well, I guess the best days are behind us. I guess this is as good as it's going to get. When Heather sets a bar for me on who I am, I don't, allow, I don't allow her to set the bar for like, well, I guess this is as good as Shane's going to get. See me for who God sees me as. And when I look at Heather, I see her as an amazing woman of God. She's a 10, a 10 out of a 10. 
And so this is who we're, we're, it's the upward call of God. We're calling one another up, but we got to do it for our selves first. We got to see ourselves that way first. Otherwise, we'll always project on others what we see in ourselves, which is why you live from a place of rest. You live from a place of, I'm not anxious. I'm not worried. I'm not defeated. I'm not frustrated. I'm not hurt. We work through that stuff, but I don't live there. I don't camp there. I don't build my life on that, in that place, but I move past it so I can do warfare from a place of health. This is the victorious life of the believer. I'm going to have you, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to have you roll this. Um, this is the last clip that I wanted to show of the war room. If you've seen the movie, then you know this clip, but it's super powerful. And I just think it'll be this last like right hook from the enemy to declare to us, God's doing a new thing and he's equipping us to walk in victory. So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Jesus, I thank you for every mother, every father, every husband, every wife, every son and daughter. And God, the things that you've called us to. We don't walk around being devil-focused. We're Jesus-focused. Today, we're putting on Jesus. Today, we're putting on the mind of Christ. And Lord, when we recognize the schemes of the enemy, Lord, we're going to draw a bloodline and we're going to say, no, not today. Because I know who I am. And I know the purpose and destiny that you've called me to. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. Submit to God. Resist the devil. devil but I know you can hear me you have played with my mind and had your way long enough no more you are done
joy. But that's changing too. My joy doesn't come from my friends. It doesn't come from my job. It doesn't even come from my husband. My joy is found in Jesus. And just in case you forgot, he has already defeated you. So go back to hell where you belong and leave my family alone. You're awesome. Uh, if you haven't um, already heard, uh, Derek had an accident. Uh, we're praying for him. He broke his foot. And so, um, yeah, when you think of it, lift up Derek. Uh, that's why Joe's filling in for sound. And, uh, man, we love D Derek dearly. Uh, if you have a chance, reach out over text. Uh, I know that he would appreciate that. But, um, man, have an awesome rest of the day. We are excited about seeing you on Wednesday for Life Group. And on Sunday for our, our Friday, Saturday, Sunday for our camping trip. God bless you.